I wonder what your learning style is. Anyone who's worked in education will know that people's preferred ways of learning are very different and that we need different ways of teaching to get the same point across. Now, I'm a scientist by profession, so my preferred learning style is very linear. A leads to B, and so we can reach conclusion C. But there are other ways of looking at things that can sometimes be better suited to big themes and to complex issues. And one way of um, thinking about things is something called a mind map, where you have a big theme in the middle and all sorts of different things that feed into it that relate to each other and sort of relate to the centre. Even for scientists used to linear arguments, um, this way of thinking can be very helpful. Now, my, one of my chosen fields was obesity. Now, you can make a good linear argument for what makes people fat. Eating more or exercising less. Both of those will lead to putting on weight. And that argument is certainly true. But a kind of mind map of interrelated factors that contribute to obesity can sometimes actually be a lot more helpful in fully understanding the problem and what's really going on. For example, one of the factors that um, contributes to obesity is is the availability and the advertising of a fattening, delicious food. We have a plentiful supply of food in this country. Um, The way that our environment is planned so that it's actually quite difficult or dangerous to walk to places, the high cost of healthy food, the decline in manual labour and manual jobs, these are just a few of the factors that interrelate with one another. They contribute to the present-day obesity epidemic. Let's take another example. Think about the difference between hymns and worship songs. Now, traditional hymns tend to have a narrative style. They move from one point to another in an orderly fashion. But worship songs tend to concentrate on a central theme. They're often quite repetitive and much more meditative. They, um, those of you who are familiar with Teze chants will know that they often just take a single verse of scripture and they approach it from all sorts of different musical angles with different instruments to help the worshipper go deeper into the meaning of the text. Now, you may well have distinct preferences for either one or the other, and I'm not going to open up that conversation now. (laughs) My point is that both approaches can be helpful. And in fact, Scripture uses both approaches to help us understand and learn. Many of St. Paul's letters are an exercise in linear argument. He builds up an argument in logical steps, even though the the logic is sometimes a bit hard to understand. Um, But he works through it and reaches a conclusion. But John writes in a different way from people like Paul. His whole letter is a kind of medication on the grand theme of how God's love works out 
in his people's lives. It's repetitive. He keeps on coming back to nearly the same point, but he approaches it from different angles, interrelated angles, almost like a mind map to help the deep meaning of God's love sink down into us. Now, the new theme in our passage today is God's commandments and the critical necessity to be obedient to them. And I like to take a sort of mind map approach today to help us not only understand some of the points that John was making, but to help you to distill some of the essence of what it means, what it really might mean to walk as Jesus did. Because I think that phrase, which comes in our passage today, is right at the heart of our passage. Walking as Jesus did. What does it mean and how can we do it? But let's first think about that word commandments. What does the word conjure up to you? Um, Many old churches still have boards often hanging on the back wall there um, with the Ten Commandments written on them, um, almost as a sort of warning if anyone's thinking of transgressing. It might seem a bit strange that John here is writing about keeping God's commandments immediately after he told his readers in the preceding chapter, as we heard last week, that that we're forgiven. Uh, Aren't we free from those Old Testament laws, those laws which are actually impossible to keep? Well, yes and no. For John, the Old Testament commandments were a sort of an advanced signpost. They were sketching out at long range what genuine, fruitful, human flourishing would look like. Human beings living in the way that God intended. Now, they became a terror to many people because they realized that they they couldn't and, and didn't keep them. But they remained. But they pointed forwards, and they pointed forwards to God's coming day when the word of life in the person of Jesus himself entered our world. Because it's in Jesus that we discover the reality to which those Old Testament commandments were the signpost. And it's a reality which is both very simple and perhaps somewhat unexpected. Because for John, and above all for Jesus, the commandments are all summed up in one word, love. All the other commandments, the details of what to do and what not to do, are the outflowing of God's love. A love which has been revealed to us in Jesus and a love that God intends shall be revealed in and through us as followers of Jesus. Now John talks in this passage of an old and a new commandment, an old commandment which his readers had had from the beginning and a new commandment whose truth is seen in Jesus. But actually, John says, this new commandment isn't really new at all because love is at the heart of the Old Testament laws. And we see this in the summary of the law in Deuteronomy where the summary exhorts us to love God with all our heart and mind and strength. And Jesus endorsed this when his disciples asked him what was the most important commandment. 
And he added that the second most important command was this, to love our neighbors as ourselves. But Jesus did more than just instruct his disciples about loving God and others. He embodied God's love as a living example. So when John tells us to walk as Jesus did, he's talking about walking the way of love. Now, if we are to walk as Jesus did, how might that work out in practice? I'd like to pick out sort of mind map, as it were, three characteristics of Jesus' life, which for me sums up what it means to walk the way of love. And firstly, one of the things which define Jesus' ministry is the care and the compassion that he had for everyone. The Gospels are full of Jesus' encounters with people from all sections of society. He didn't discriminate. In fact, his bias, if anything, was towards the poor and overlooked members of society. He cared for people's physical needs. We see that in the many examples of his healing miracles and in his provision for the crowds on the occasion when he fed many thousands. He cared for people's spiritual needs. We read in Matthew's Gospel that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harried and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus' compassion found expression in many acts of loving kindness. They are one of the five uh, acts of loving kindness are one of the five marks of mission which are recognized by the church today as examples for us to follow. For example, from opening up your home to a refugee family, as a friend of mine has recently done, to simply letting a harassed mum on the school run pull ahead of you in the traffic queue. Both of those are acts of loving kindness, the way of love. And secondly, and I think possibly particularly relevant in our status-conscious and celebrity-obsessed society, we can do well to look to Jesus' humility and his example of servant leadership. If there was anyone who had the right to pull rank or to dominate or control, then it was Jesus. But St. Paul, writing to the Philippian Christians, sums Jesus up well. Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very form and nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Now John himself recounts the story elsewhere in his gospel of Jesus washing his disciples' feet a slave's task, and then telling his disciples to go and do likewise. Humble people are not preoccupied with the impression that they're making or the influence that they have, but rather they are looking to serve out of love for those around them. Looking to serve wherever they usefully can, be it something as simple as taking a turn on the coffee rotor making sandwiches for the four o'clock church. They're both 
acts of loving service. And I take examples just in our church context. Um, in your own everyday context, there will be many occasions just to do simple acts of loving service, the way of love. The last characteristic of Jesus' ministry that I picked is that of forgiveness, fundamental to God's love towards us. He offers forgiveness for our wrongdoings. God's nature, his very nature is to forgive. And that forgiveness is made possible by the death of Jesus on the cross. I was up in Durham this um, preceding week to attend Philip's licensing at Cranmer Hall. The following day, we went round Durham Cathedral. And there's a lovely stained glass window there, a modern window, depicting the Last Supper. And Jesus is sharing bread and wine It's a really intimate moment with the 12 disciples. It's a moment that included Judas, whom Jesus knew would shortly betray him. And some of Jesus' very last words as he hung from the cross were, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus in his life demonstrated forgiveness, and by his death we obtain forgiveness. If we're going to walk as Jesus did, then we too are called to forgive others. Now this is going to mean different things for all of us. From small, everyday acts of forgiveness, not bearing grudges, to maybe the forgiveness of a deep-seated past wrong that has cast a shadow over our lives. By God's grace, we are forgiven. His grace also enables us to do the hard task of forgiving others, walking as Jesus did, the way of love. I started off by talking about learning styles, but learning isn't just about listening, it's about doing, it's about putting it into practice. John and Jesus gave us a new command to love each other. Walking, as Jesus did, is not a set of rules, but more a way of life. So I'm going to do something slightly different at this point. Remember I said that this sermon wasn't going to be a linear exposition of the passage, but rather a bit of a mind map to distill the essence of what it might mean to walk the way of love, as Jesus did. So, like John, who didn't mind being repetitious, I'm going to pause here, and I'm going to give us all a chance to reflect on what the way of love might mean for us individually. And we're going to hear a simple chant from the Teze community, Ubi Caritas, which repeats the Latin words... Where there is charity and love, there God is. And as you listen to that chant, just let the words sink deep down into you and ask God what it might mean for you in practice to walk the way of love as Jesus did. 
I'm not going to pretend that walking as Jesus did will always be easy. Remember, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Walking as Jesus did may well involve personal sacrifice of some kind, our own personal way of the cross. But I want to end on a positive note with some words of Jesus himself, which I wonder whether John had in mind when he wrote his letter, because it was John himself who recorded Jesus as saying this to his disciples when he wrote his Gospels. When Jesus said this to his disciples just before he died, he said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now we're shortly going to be sharing bread and wine together symbols of the lengths to which God showed his love to us in Jesus. So as we receive that love, let us ask for his grace to enable us to walk as Jesus did in the way of love, that our joy may be complete as we live in him.